church, I have gotten a promotion. I get to come and share God's word with you guys today. I went from starting out at the church, cleaning toilets, to, you know, greeting you guys, to running the youth ministry, to I have somehow got here. Now, granted, I still cleaned the toilets this morning, so we're just going full circle with the whole thing. I am excited to be able to come here today with you. I'm excited to have some of our youth students in here. Normally, I'm used to kind of doing this like 15 to 20 minute message just because of attention spans and stuff. And so today I get to stretch it a little bit where we're still going to try to get you guys out of here, but be able to speak God's word and continue to grow. And so part of what we're going to kind of go into is something that has been massively on my heart over the last two months. Pastor Kerry came to me and said, hey, you get the Sunday after Christmas. And I'm like, awesome. I am looking forward to speaking to all 50 people that are going to be here for that day. And so I'm glad to be able to see some familiar faces here today. Maybe you're with us online. Glad to be able to have you guys in your living room today and being able to speak to you. But before I kind of get going and get started into all of this, I just want to take a time to bow our heads and to invite God into this building, into this space as we continue to worship him. God, we come before you, and we thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for each individual person that is here, Lord. I pray that wherever they're at today, Lord, that you would just meet them where they're at. God, I pray for the families that are here, Lord. You allow your presence to be known. God, we invite you into this space, that this would be a safe space for people to learn, for us to be able to continue to grow in fellowship with you and fellowship with each other. And just here as a church congregation, in Jesus' name, amen. So the topic I'm going to get into today has been something that I have been, one, struggling with for the last two months, but two, God has really brought into my life as something that is very prevalent in it, and that is the recognizing of God's faithfulness. As many of you guys know, I actually got married uh, in February, and so it has been a great, it's almost been a year, about two months away from that. It's been a great time to be able to just kind of learn how to be married, learning, living with somebody else, especially the opposite sex. It just creates all these different things. But one of the things that has been kind of a challenge the last year for us is Brittany, as most a lot of you guys know, is a night nurse. She's a NICU nurse um, up in Moreno Valley. She commutes like over an hour to work. She works from like 7 p.m. to 7.30 a.m. And so a lot of the times during the week, I also work, um, I work at a mortuary here locally in town as well as here at the church. And so a lot of the times in the week, I am driving to work and I literally pass her car as she's coming back from work. Or vice versa, I'm coming home from work and she's driving to work. And so it's caused this just, it's been hard because we'll go a few days without seeing each other. And you know that first year of marriage, you're wanting to spend as much time with each other. You're wanting to learn each other as much as you can. And so it was been a struggle with that. And so about two months ago, I was at this breaking point with it. And I was going to God, and I was praying, God, please just come into this time and just help us. We don't know what else to do. Brittany had been applying to a few different jobs and different things like that, and it was just a struggle with it. I remember one of the days I was actually driving to work, and I was just 
on the verge of tears, being like, God, please help us. We don't know what else to do. That next day, Brittany gets a call from a job that she applied for that we really thought was a pretty long shot. And they said, hey, you have an interview, but you need to be here tomorrow. And meanwhile, we're looking at that. And we're like, okay. And so we're scrambling and all these different things. You know, Britt's preparing for this interview. She goes into it. And then we have a week-long wait to be able to hear back from them. And a couple weeks ago, we get this call at like, she, Britt gets this call after she had just gotten off a shift and said, hey, we'd like to offer you the job. And it was this awesome moment for us. We were so excited. You know, our life was about to change. It was going to go from, you know, us being passing ships to having somewhat of a normal schedule. And so I quickly finished up some things at work so I could come home and we can kind of discuss, hey, is this really what we want to do? And when I was driving home, it just dawned on me, this is God's faithfulness. This is not of my doing. This is not of Brittany's doing. Yes, we had different things in it. We were praying about it. Some of you guys were even praying about it. But a lot of it was, was God being faithful in that moment. So the first thing that I did when I came home was I said, Brittany, we need to pray and thank God for what he provided for us. And so we sat there and we prayed. We thanked God. She accepted the position. She's actually sitting right up here now because I like to embarrass her. And she came off of her last shift last night, so she has no sleep. So if, she come, if you go talk to her afterwards and she's kind of staring and spacing out at you, don't give her, give her a break. She hasn't slept in 24 hours. But we were so excited about God's faithfulness. And so as I was trying to figure out what am I going to speak on, that just kept putting in the forefront of my mind was being able to recognize God's faithfulness as a whole. Maybe this is something that you guys are familiar with. Maybe you guys have seen God's faithfulness in your life, coming through in a job like it did for us, or maybe it was financially. Or maybe you guys are in a place where you're wondering where God is, And you have that question mark in your head and you're wondering, God's faithfulness isn't really here. What is that? How can I look for that? Maybe it's a marriage that isn't going as well as you thought it would. Maybe it's, you know, financial situation that you just can't seem to get out of. Maybe it's with your kids, you're just in a challenging time in their life. Or maybe it's with just another extended family member that is just aggravating you and you guys just aren't on the same page and you feel like it's just, you can't see God's faithfulness and what's going on. God's faithfulness, though, is littered throughout the entirety of the Bible. And in that, God is there through all of it. But it's the recognition of that and being able to depict it out, being able to see it. And so just, I want to highlight just some of the things with God's faithfulness throughout the Bible. I kind of use some Old Testament things because that's kind of where I'm journeying out. It's actually on uh, Sundays when middle school breaks. It's where we're at. We're just journeying through the Old Testament right now. But, you know, starting out with God's creation of the earth. That was God's faithfulness. He created the earth in seven days for us, well, six days, and rested on the seventh. And he not only created the earth, he gave it to man, for man to rule and have dominion over the earth in that. 
And so, you know, Adam named the animals and all these things. You know, God made Eve from Adam. And so it was an act of faithfulness for us. Then moving on to Noah's Ark a little bit later in Genesis from chapter 6 to 10. You know, if you guys don't know Noah's Ark, then I'm sure, you know, you guys can go volunteer and uh, some children's stuff or we can speak about it someday here in <laughs> service. But Noah's Ark, God flooded the whole earth. But he saved mankind. He saved each one of the uh, animals with Noah and the ark and his covenant that he made with Noah to be able to lead this. And then God created the rainbow through that to be able to show us that this will not happen again, that he's going to be faithful to us. Sacrificing, God providing a sacrifice for Abraham. Abraham had a son, and actually that was a, God's faithfulness in its own because God provided a son for him and, and his wife in a late age, but God told him to sacrifice his son. And Abraham, out of faithfulness in God, out of trusting God, said, okay, I'm going to do this. So he takes his son all the way up. He binds him to a point that his son is bound. He's sitting there, and he's getting ready to plunge a dagger into him, sacrificing his son for God, and God provides a lamb for him. And in that moment, Abraham is saying, God, thank you for your faithfulness in this. Thank you for your faithfulness. God was faithful to Abraham. These are not just the small parts of these stories. These stories are that you can just point out just different times in them of God's faithfulness throughout the entirety of it. God provides manna for the Israelites. Moses and Aaron are leading the Israelites. They are wandering in the desert. They're sitting there. They're kind of going crazy. A lot of them are saying in this verse in Exodus 16, 2 through 4, they're talking about, man, it would have been better for us to stay in Egypt and die by the hand of the Lord because at least our bellies would have been full. Can you imagine Moses and Aaron at that point? Now, granted, Moses had made some mistakes, and so that's why they were kind of wandering out and doing all these things. But they're sitting there, and they're saying, man, we should have just stayed. Why are we here? But God said, no, I've got your back. I am going to be faithful to you. And so in that moment, God provides food for them. Throughout the entire process, they are completely and fully dependent on God for every meal, for every situation. They create, they create this trust in God because he had been faithful to him, or to them. David and Goliath, this is another one of the big stories, and not just David slaying Goliath. I mean, guys, David was a shepherd. You have a shepherd guy who's been out in the fields, all these different things, goes up against this warrior who is known to be fierce, to be the, just, he's going to kill David. That's what everybody thought. They're like, man, but David knew his God was going to be faithful. And it's actually interesting, when I was in Israel with this, it always, uh, it intrigues me, and every time I think of this story, I just kind of have to mention it, but David, when he was slaying Goliath, we think of this like slingshot that he was bringing to be able to kill Goliath, you know, that one that I had as a kid, maybe you guys had one too, but what David had wasn't just a slingshot, it was a weapon. It was this massive stone that he was flinging around his head that he had done so many times to protect his sheep and different things like that. But God was faithful to David in that. And not just here in 1 Samuel 17, God was faithful to David throughout the entirety of David's life. 
delivering him from his enemies, being there for him through every situation. God was faithful to him. And this last one, we actually, for some of our youth students who are here, we've been <laughs> just talked about this with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace. I'm just going to read a part of this. So if you guys want to open your Bibles to Daniel uh, chapter 3, we're going to read verses 13 to 18. So King Nebuchadnezzar is ruling over the land at this time. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are, are there. And Nebuchadnezzar is mad. He just learned that these three had a God that wasn't his. And so he says this in verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. <clears throat> and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my God or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I have made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? I think about this in this time. That'd be crazy. We don't have to deal with that right now, of the life and death of it. This is, he's telling them to deny your God or you will die. I think about myself, when I read the Bible, I try to put myself in their situation. And so I think, man, what are they dealing with in this? Man, what would I do if I was faced with this? Man, I'd want to think that, yeah, I would be faithful to God and say no. But man, the fear builds up in you. You don't know what your reaction is going to be. You don't, it just, it comes down to that time and you have to make a decision in it. And this is what they replied with in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Can you imagine how mad he was when they said that? We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But, and this is my favorite part right here, in verse 18, but even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your God or worship the image of gold you have set up. That's crazy. In that moment, they trusted God's faithfulness. That one, he had the ability to be able to protect them. But even more so than that, more so than the ability to be able to protect them, he said, maybe God won't. And if God doesn't, then that's fine because he's still being faithful. That's crazy to me. 
That's crazy to me when I think about it. I'm just, I try to maul that over because I think of situations. I think of, you know, with my wife with getting her job, you know, praying to God, God, please try to be able to come into the situation, help us to be able to have more of a normal living life. But man, God, if you don't, I still love you. You're still faithful, but I'd still be upset. Now, that's not a life and death situation like it is here, but it's still, you think about it, you think about the things that they were dealing with and the realities of it, of recognizing that even if God is not going to save me, he can, but if he doesn't, he is still faithful to me. A few years ago, I was dealt one of the crappiest hands that I've gotten in my entire life. in which I had to choose to be able to recognize God's faithfulness in it. Some of you guys are familiar with this story a little bit. Um, I was part of the church when this kind of happened. I was in college, but I used to be an avid climber. And when I say an avid climber, I, I would go to rock climbing competitions. I would be in Joshua Tree every weekend, you know, scaling up 300 feet in the air, you know, being able to see these beautiful views. I was a climbing instructor. I did all these sorts of things, and I would get every single one of my friends to be able to get into climbing with me, and if they didn't end up getting into climbing, then really we didn't end up growing in close friendship because that's what I ended up doing all the time. And so, like normal, this was my junior year of college, um, this was before Thanksgiving, we decided that we were going to do a climbing trip. I had all the gear, I had the expertise for it, and so my friend Dale and my friend Isaac, we decided, hey, let's go ahead and do this. We planned it in 24 hours. We didn't really have a um, set place that we were going to camp. We had all of our camping gear. We were like, you know what, we're going to head out to Red Rocks, Nevada. We're going to... Um, Go climbing for the day, and then once the day kind of ends, maybe we'll find a campsite, maybe, you know, get like a price line at one of the casinos that can be a little bit cheaper or something like that, but we'll find a place to stay, you know? College, you just kind of go out there and you just figure it out. And so we got up early that morning, and we went out, and it was just like any other day. You know, we're 3 a.m. in the morning, and we're going. We're, you know, joking around in the car ride. You know, my friend Dalen, he was riding shotgun with me. He is the worst co-pilot and the known demand. It was like 3, 4 in the morning, and he just conks out and starts sleeping. I'm like, dude, if you get the front seat, you have to, like, have conversation. That's how I stay awake. But anyway, so we're driving out. I'm talking to Isaac, who's in the back seat. You know, we're talking about life, doing the normal things, talking about girls, relationships, talking about God, you know, and how those things are going. And so we get to Red Rocks and we start going and hiking into a spot that we were going to start camping out at. It was a normal day and we're getting there. We're trying to decide, okay, who's going to start climbing first? And so we start figuring out who's going to start climbing first. And um, with me kind of being the more experienced of the three with rock climbing, we decided, okay, maybe having you on the ground to be the person holding the rope, which is called the belayer, would probably be best. So we start out with me on the ground belaying, and we start going up. And so Isaac, um, he started first because he was like, oh, I want to go. With climbing, the way that you kind of start, it's just like any other workout. You kind of start with a little bit of a warm-up, so you go to your easiest climb that you can kind of find. And so we went to an easy climb, 
or at least what we thought was an easy climb. And Isaac started, it was actually, I got, was the one who got Isaac into rock climbing. And it was really frustrating because he got better than me. I'd been climbing for like three months or three years and he got better than me in three months. And so I was frustrated with him, but I was like, all right, go for it. You know, we can do this. So Isaac goes ahead, goes ahead and he starts climbing. And so he gets there and the way climbing kind of works in the outdoors is you have a rope attached to you. You have uh, carabiners that you clip into the wall that had anchors in it. And a lot of times climbers will go set anchors for you. And so he clips into the anchors with his rope and carabiners and keeps climbing up. He gets to the hard part of the climb and he starts going and reaches it and then he falls and I catch him. And it's like, okay, well, we kind of make fun of him. We're like, dude, this is supposed to be the warm up. Like, what are you doing? This is the warm-up. This is the easy part. And so he's joking around. We're joking around. My friend Dalen's actually back there taking pictures of the whole thing. So he goes up. He climbs again. He reaches for it again, and he falls again, and I catch him. At this point, we're really making fun of him because it's like, dude, this is an easy climb. You're supposed to be the good one. So the third time he goes up, and he climbs, and he, he grabs it and then falls again. <laughs> and we're just like, all right, dude, you're going to go like one more time, one more try. And then one of us is going to go. And so Isaac goes up for this third time, and he reaches up, and he grabs it and pops off. And this time, as he pops off, not, he pulls out one of the bolts from the wall. Pulling out one bolt isn't that unheard of. You have some slack there, and so you're able to pull it out. But as one of the bolts pulls out, and I start reacting to pull in the slack, a second bolt pulls out. When that second bolt pulled out, he fell 30 feet because there, were 30, there was over 30 feet of slack, and he landed on a rock. At that moment, we didn't know it, but as he landed on the rock, he fractured his C1 vertebrae and just died within minutes. This is the hardest thing I've had to go through in my life. You go around from joking around, you know, having fun, something that we've normally done, something we know how to do, to all of a sudden the situation's real. And I'm sitting there. He falls and we detach from the rope really, I detach from the rope really quickly. We go to help him. Um, Daylin's there to help him. We securely get him moved. But we're standing there. And we don't know what to do. And Dalen just yells at me and says, go get help. So I run to get help. The aftermath of this was, was, was what was hardest. Because you go through in your mind, it was my fault. I should have reacted better. You have to call one of your friend's parents to let them know that their, their son isn't coming home. It eats you away inside. But what I had to do in this situation was to recognize that in the worst of the worst of the worst, God was still faithful to me. So the story doesn't end there. After he fell, we helped move him up over. Dalen's yelling for help. I'm yelling for help. Dalen tells me, go get help. And so I get up. We're in this canyon. I climb my way out of this canyon. The first people that I run into within minutes are ER doctors that are on a hike. 
At this point, we didn't know that Isaac had passed. We thought we would still be able to save him. And so I bring these ER doctors. I show them the way. We were, by God, by some miracle, guys, when you are in parks, you do not get cell service. Some of you guys have been to like Yosemite or different places. Cell service is just not happening. But when we found him, we were able to get cell service and call 911. And so we got called 911. These ER doctors were there within five to seven minutes. By the time I had showed them where he was at, there was two search and rescue people that were climbing nearby that heard us yelling that had gotten there about two to three minutes after I had left. And then as they're kind of doing their thing, I was starting to go into shock at this moment. Dalen was staying a little bit more clear with everything. And so Dalen, uh, kind of, we kind of separated ourselves from the situation because we knew the experts were there that were able to help, that had the training, that everything, that they were this best way to be able to survive in that. And so we're sitting there. I'm going into shock, and I see this group of climbers come up, and this guy looks at me and goes, what happened? And we just kind of said, oh, our, our, our buddy fell, and he's really hurt. He goes, I'm going to go look at this. And I'm looking up at this guy. And now, granted, when you're in shock, you can't, you're not thinking straight. You're not, you know, you can't fully get your whole mind wrapped around things. And I'm like, I know him. I recognize him. Where is he from? And so I turn to his friends after he leaves to go look at this climb. And I go, is he famous or something? And they look at me and kind of chuckle. And they go, dude, that's Alex Honnold. For those of you guys who don't know, Alex Honnold is one of the leading climbers in the entire world. He free soloed El Capitan. There's actually a documentary made about it. He is one of the most experts on climbing that are out there. He went and he looked at the climb and he came back and he goes, dude, that's just dumb bad luck. He goes, there's nothing you could have done. You could have been the best belayer in the world and you still couldn't have pulled in that much slack. And so I'm sitting there and at this point, you're not recognizing God's faithfulness in it, but you think to yourself on the aftermath of this, my Lord, within five minutes, there were ER doctors there, the first people that, you ran, that I ran into. There were search and rescue people around. There was one of the leading rock climbers that I had followed his career for years beforehand come and tell me that there was nothing I could have done. Why? Because God knew those were the things that were going to eat away at me. I could have ran faster to find more help. I could have, you know, had more training to be able to, you know, be one of those search and rescue people. I should have had more expertise to know that those bolts that were in the wall were no good. But God provided those things for me. And he was faithful to me through the entire process of it. And so the journey after all of that was hard. You go home, a lot of the things are normal. You go, I went back to school. You know, my professors were very nice to me. They gave me a lot of lenience in that. But the whole world is operating around you still, and you're standing there, and it's like, I just went through a traumatic event. But you're still living life. The aftermath was the hard part. I felt like this darkness was creeping into me. I had trouble sleeping. But the things that brought me out was first the recognition that God was still faithful in it. And God was the one who brought me out of it.
God is with us in every single situation. We have to look back at the situations on the afterhand and figure out where was God's faithfulness through it. Because it's really easy to get caught up in the crappy situations, the financial situations, the, you know, family situations, to not see where God was faithful in it. And it might be something as small as somebody came and prayed for me. Somebody was praying for me in the backhand of things. Somebody provided a meal for me. But when we recognize those small things of faithfulness, it is the next step into a closer relationship with God. And so I want to read Psalm 86 for you guys. This is a psalm from David. David is, I, I love David. He's just, he's real, he's raw. He goes through more crap than anybody <laughs> that I can think of. But Psalm 86 is just a great, great psalm. So let me read this for you. It's a prayer of David when he is just in turmoil. He's lost. He's being attacked. And so he says this to God. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. For the Lord are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Among the gods, there is none like you, Lord. No deed can compare to yours. All the nations you have made will come and worship before you, Lord. They will bring glory to your name. For you are great and do marvelous deeds. You alone are God. Teach me your way, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. I will praise you, Lord, my God, with all my heart. I will glorify your name forever, for great is your love toward me. You have delivered me from the depths, from the realm of the dead." Arrogant foes are attacking me, O God. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. They have no regard for you, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. It's a powerful psalm. It's a powerful prayer. But my favorite part in this is teach me your way, Lord that I may rely on your faithfulness. And so, us recognizing God's faithfulness is the first step. But the second, and this is the more important one, is to rely on God's faithfulness. Once we rely on God's faithfulness, that's when we relinquish control of ourselves because we are not strong enough in order to be able to do it. And David, in this moment, you think David's journeyed with God. How does he not know how to rely on God's faithfulness? And it's because we are ever learning. 
I'm coming to you. Yes, I'm a pastor in the church, but in all reality, I'm a sinner. This is something that I struggled with. This is something that I was struggling with, with, you know, my wife's job and our, our, how we were figuring things out. It was something that I was struggling with in the time of, you know, losing one of my closest friends. I still continue to learn how to rely on God, and it's the act of asking God to help us, to teach us to rely on him and his faithfulness in that. So Christmas, we've had families, parties, and all these different things, but the reality is, is what Christmas is, coming on the day after Christmas, Christmas is the time to remember the first step of God's largest act of faithfulness. And that first step was the birth of Jesus Christ. And it wasn't just a normal birth. This was a miraculous birth. Then this continues on to grow even more. God sends Jesus to the earth. Jesus performs countless miracles. He touches countless lives. He disciples people. He grows. He speaks different sermons, teachings, all these different things, all the way to the point he lives a sinless life. And then he lives his purpose on why he was sent, and that was to die on the cross for our sins. A man who had nothing that he needed to answer for decided, I am going to take all the guilt that you have, all the bad things that you've done, everything that you have done in your life that is sinful, I am going to put it on my back and I'm going to carry it and I will sacrifice myself for you and you don't have to do a single thing. It's a free gift. And so God gives us that free gift. And once he gives us that free gift, it's not just ending there but we have to accept it from God. And once we accept that free gift, we come to God and we say, thank you, Lord, for the sacrifice you made. I am not strong enough myself. I want to rely on your faithfulness. We accept that gift and we get accepted into the kingdom of God, into the kingdom of heaven. And that is the largest act of God's faithfulness that he has done for us thus far. That is somebody that we can trust on or trust in. That's somebody that we can rely on. And so for Christmas that's been coming around, take a second to step back and think about that and to rely on God in it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they knew how to do this already. I think to myself, man, they must have had situations in their life where, where they learned how to rely on God early. Or maybe in that time it was a supernatural thing that they, they just knew that they knew. And they went there. And I think to myself, man, these things that I've experienced in my life, I think I could. I'll continue to rely on God's faithfulness. And so as the new year comes up, this is my new year's resolution. And I would challenge you guys in it as well. Friday's coming up. Saturday's going to be a new year. New Year's resolution is one, to start recognizing God's faithfulness, but also learning to trust and rely on God's faithfulness, to know that we do not have to carry that weight ourselves. With the situations that I've gone through, I want to think that it'd be easy for me to say, yes, God, I trust and I rely on you. But the reality is, it's just like David who was in a situation where he was being chased by his enemies. 
he was still asking God to help teach him how to rely on his faithfulness. And so that's what I want to do with you guys today. Just in closing here, I want us to ask God how to rely on his faithfulness and how to teach us to rely on his faithfulness. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. This is something that I was taught um, it, when I freshman year of college on reading scripture as prayers. And that's what this is. Psalm 86 is, is David's prayer to God. And so I want to read through a part of this with you guys. And so if you guys will just stand with me as we kind of close. This is something that is hard to do. It's hard to relinquish. It's hard to trust God in every situation, just like the Israelites did, just like David did, just like all these people in the Bible did. The Bible is littered with God's faithfulness. It's a story of his faithfulness. So if you guys need prayer for that, I welcome you to be able to just come up over here in the front right section to be able to ask for that today, or if there's other things that you're needing prayer for as well. If you guys bow your heads for me, uh, with me as I pray David's Psalm 86. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are our God. Have mercy on us, Lord, for we call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servants, Lord, for we put our trust in you. Teach us your way, Lord, that we may rely on your faithfulness. God, we thank you. We come before you humbly. I pray for each individual here that you would bless their week, that you would be with them, that as they finish more family time up, that you would just continue to be faithful to them and to help them to recognize your faithfulness, God. God, I pray that you would teach us how to rely on your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys are dismissed.